we dig into some of this. We may do a little bit of review. We might not even get to the review. I just want to share some things, just maybe like a bigger picture of, of what our current uh, study is about. Um, the, uh, the working title of the book is um, You're Right, There's More. And um, I've entitled this series uh, Christ in You. And the first uh, working title of the book, you know, I think captures what I believe anyone who takes their relationship with God uh, seriously is this thing inside of us that, that, that just keeps saying there's, there's more than what we've experienced. There's, there's more for us to lay hold of. And it's certainly an, an attitude and a, and a yearning uh, inside of us. I, I, I believe it's the Holy Spirit, right? The Bible says that the Spirit of God in you bears witness with your spirit and cries out calling uh, uh, the God of the universe, your Abba, your, your dad. Um, and the Holy Spirit inside of us who searches all the deep things of God, he knows all the deep things of God and has been given to you to help you and me walk in the destiny, uh, fulfill the purpose and destiny and assignment um, for our lives that was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And that's not to, uh, you know, speak disparagingly about where we are. It's, It's not to try to, like chastise us. This, that, that, that's not what this is about. And, and I think a lot of folks do get into shame and, and, and condemnation and feelings of inferiority and all this other stuff because the devil will do that to you if you let him with all of this. But when you just hack through all that stuff and get back to just, you know, <clears throat> this whole notion that there's, there's more to living for God than what, what we've currently experienced in, in our in our life reality. And certainly the Apostle Paul knew this. I mean, take that one um, thought into mind and then read the uh, the epistles that the Holy Spirit wrote through the Apostle Paul and and you'll you'll see um, how how often he communicated that. Um, that he doesn't consider himself to uh, have obtained, attained, uh, but one thing, and that is to forget what's behind him and to keep reaching for what's ahead of him. Um, He was constantly talking about continuing to follow hard after God, to pursue God's highest and best, and to whatever level he had attained, to let that become the new normal in his life, and then keep pressing and reaching to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of him. And we see where the Apostle Paul spoke often about God the Father revealing Jesus the Son in him and through him, that that Christ Jesus would be manifested. If if something is manifested, this means that it's revealed, something that that is not visible being made visible, something that is uh, concealed being concealed no longer. 
And we see where the Apostle Paul spoke frequently of, um, of the Son of God, Jesus, being revealed in him, being manifested in his body, being manifested in his flesh. So he's, he's talking about Jesus, who he is, the glory of, of, of the Son of God, um, literally shining through him. Um, and working in him and, and working through him. Passage after passage, verse after verse, that states this in no uncertain terms. I mean, you you got to just be just bound and determined to ignore it because there's no way you, you can ever um, explain it away or water it down to something that can be done without the supernatural power and strength of God um, working in and, and through your life. And if, if I could be uh, so bold, this, this is what's um, missing, this is what's lacking in, in the body of Christ today. Um, the, the Apostle Paul uh, was one of the more brilliant men intellectually, you know, that ever ministered for the kingdom of God and, and, and for our Heavenly Father. But yet he recognized that reasoning alone um, and, and just arguing and debating alone would never be enough to do what God was wanting to do in this world, that it had to be by the power and demonstration of the resurrected Christ in his life that the works that Jesus both began to do, um, that's, that's how it's worded um, in, in the scriptures, right? Uh, Luke, the physician, wrote that to his friend uh, Theophilus when he gave the account that we know of as the book of Acts. And he says, look, th- this is what Jesus both began to do and teach. Um, and what the head of the body began to do and teach he fully intends for the body to continue to do and teach. This is why Jesus says, like in John 14, the works that I do, you will do also, and even greater works because I go to my Father. And, you know, we can try to, like religion does with so many of these uh, new birth realities, we can try to explain that away and water it down. You know, the, the, the low-hanging fruit one that I often go to is, is religion will tell you speaking with the new tongues means you don't cuss or talk harsh to people anymore. When it's clearly not what that means, he's talking about speaking in unknown tongues. And he says it's for every born-again believer to speak in an, in an unknown tongue. Again, a power gift uh, given to you by the Holy Spirit to build you up in faith, to, to pray and speak out the mysteries of God concerning your life and the lives of others. Um, but see, religion tries to make that something that you can do by your own efforts and, 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 and self discipline. And so when it comes to doing the works that Jesus did and even greater works than these, religion tries to take the supernatural um, miracle working power of God that operated in the life of Jesus, religion tries to take that out and set it aside and make those um, works of service. Um, And listen, we should have a servant's heart and we should serve people um, but the works that Jesus did um, were far, far more than, um, th- than just acts of, of, of service and servitude uh, to other people. He served them all right, okay? 
Um, he served the demon possessed by setting them free. He served the blind uh, by serving them up uh, a bowl full of eyesight. Okay, um, he served them, and and he made it abundantly clear that um, that those who believed on him would do the works that he did. If you would just take somebody who knew absolutely nothing about it and said, "Hey, I want you to read the first four books of this." Uh, of, of this Bible, the Bible's 66 books. There's, there's 66 books in here. There's one um, section called the Old Testament. There's one section called the New Testament. I want you to read about this guy named Jesus in those first four books. Um, and, and I want you to read about all the works that he did. Um, and then uh, ask that person. Now, by the way, if you, if you paid attention in the 14th chapter of the fourth book called John... He said that those who believed on him would do the works that he did also. Um, what, what would you think he meant by that? Okay, um, There's not a person in the world that hasn't been religiousized, that hasn't been contaminated by religious thinking that would say, well, the works that he did were all kinds of like multiplying food and, and raising the dead and healing lepers and casting out devils. So how could it mean anything other than that? Okay. Uh, and again, I'm just talking about somebody who don't know anything about this and hasn't been told that that's not what that means, you know. Um, because again, it's, it's very clear, it's very obvious. Um, you, you have to really, really try hard to come up with an alternative meaning um, to what he's talking about here, okay? Now, I said, I said something last week, and I didn't, I didn't say it correctly. Um, I said an awakening. And don't misunderstand me, I'm, I... Um, uh, I believe and am believing God for uh, an awakening again of the church. And um, there are some that I respect who are prophesying that it has already begun. And I pray and believe and agree that it's true. But the Lord has been stirring me in a different direction. And it's kind of interesting that, um, how do I I say this? In in the Lord's, um, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, right, you know. Um, here we are in, in, uh, in Hueytown, uh, Alabama, as our friend Stefan from Germany says, Town, that thick German accent, he can't get the Huey out, so it's Town. So here we are in Town, Alabama, right? But, um, but let, let me tell you what the Lord's putting in, in my heart. Um, uh, it's, it's that it's time for, and I said awakening last week, but after I was driving home, the Lord said, that's not what I told you, son. And I'm like, oh, it's not, I said the wrong word, right? It's not awakening, it's reformation. It's, it's time for a new reformation in the body of Christ. And if you've studied church history, you know that the Lord used a man named Martin Luther. And, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. was named after him. But it was Martin Luther who brought the reformation to the church. And, and let me, I'm going to really simplify this. He basically had, um, somebody shouted out, was it 95? or I think it was 95 theses, right? Um, and, and what he did is the Lord began to show him things in Scripture that the church of his day were just basically pretending like it wasn't in the Bible. And he made a list of 95 of those things and what he believed the Word of God um, was for his people concerning um, a reform that 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 needed to take place within the church, and of course, uh, if you if you know the story, uh, Martin Luther was eventually excommunicated um, from the church, the Catholic Church, 
uh, and because of his protests. And, and of course, this is where we get the term a Protestant. Um, this is how profound the effect of what God revealed to Martin Luther was uh, in, in, in the history of his people here on the earth, the body of Christ on the earth. And so when I say that the Lord's been, and I know this, um, you, you just hear me out on this now. I, um, it, it's time for uh, a new reformation because what is, what is happening is very similar in our day to what was happening in, in uh, Martin Luther's day is that there are so many things that the Lord clearly states in, in His Word that, that we should be experiencing and seeing in the church um, that organized religion of, of our day, the church, if you will, of our day, is, has just explained away or, or just pretends like the Bible doesn't uh, say that. And so <clears throat> I know that there are different people, leaders, if you will, in the body of Christ who have different opinions on this. Um, the Bible clearly teaches that as the time of Jesus draws near, there will be a falling away. Um, and some might say that, that we're already seeing that. Um, but I believe that we also see in Scripture that there will also be um, a great revival that will uh, take place before the return of Jesus. Um, because the Bible talks about um, nations being one in a single day. Now, I'm, I don't exactly know what it's, it's, it's going to take on planet Earth. Of course, the supernatural wonder-working power of God, okay? Um, but there are certain things that we see throughout the history of the Scriptures where... Um, you know, the more people push God away, um, the less they have God in their lives, and the, and the less you have God, let me just say Jesus, in your life, um, the more your life falls apart. Because the Bible's very clear that by Him all things consist. And that word consist could literally be translated, He is the glue that holds it all together. And so if you take something that is held together by glue and you somehow push the glue out, um, then what's holding it together is no longer present, which means it's going to do what? It's going to begin to fall apart. And so what we see throughout the Old Testament and then on into the New Testament and then on into, uh, you know, it's only one church, you know, the, we talk about the early church. It's really where the church began. We're the same church, amen, same head, same body, amen. Um, but, but what we see even on into the modern church age is this ebb and flow, you know, where people turn to God and they pursue God. And, of course, God always responds. But then um, people uh, get interested in other things and they, and, they, and they start to back away from God. And it's not that God is punishing us for that. It's if you push the glue out, uh, if, you, if you don't give him place in your life, then he's unable to do in your life what he desires to do in your life. And things begin to spiral out of control and things become uh, unbearable. And as Carmen, the, uh, 
a contemporary music artist. I heard him say many, many years ago, he said the devil doesn't have enough sense to know when he's gone too far. He continues to push and push and push humankind into greater depravity and greater misery. He can't help himself. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But what happens is he keeps pushing us further and further away in that direction until finally something rises up in us. And, and, we, and we turn back to God. Are you following what I'm saying now? Okay. And I believe we're seeing the beginnings of this in, in our nation. Um, and contrary to what we think and understand, um, this is one nation under God. But, you know, America, um, I'm not bashing this country, but just hear me. We're not the only people group on this planet that, that love God. And there are other people groups who, as far as, as the percentage of their nations it goes, much more on, on fire for God right now and pursuing God um, than, let's just say, some, if, without offending people, uh, in, in this country. And so um, we, we are starting to see in this country what I believe um, is, is, the, is the turn. In other words, what I mean by turn, um, people in this country, people in the highest offices in this land are beginning to realize, for example, that, um, that abortion and killing babies is, is incorrect. You see, th- th- this happened with slavery. Um, it's, it's very difficult for us now as a people, looking back on uh, our ancestors, the founding fathers of this country, um, and, and, to, and to understand why they ever thought slavery was okay to go kidnap a man in a foreign country and, and sell him in, into forced labor in this country. I mean, just the thought of it is like, what in God's name were they thinking? But there was a time where um, it was considered uh, acceptable, nothing wrong with it, um, that these people aren't really human and we're not doing anything different than if we were buying livestock and these kinds of things. Well, again, God brought an awakening to the leaders of this nation, and then it was a very hard-fought hard victory. But now we look back on that, and it's like, what, what were we ever thinking? This is, this is my prayer. Because let, let, me, let me just say this, okay? If this prayer is not answered, it means that the end is a lot closer than any of us realized, and, and even the future of this nation, okay? But my prayer is there's coming a day when we look back on all these decades and all these hundreds of millions of babies that, that have, have been um, aborted and killed, that we're going to come back and one day and we're going to think, what, what were we thinking? Why did we ever think that was acceptable or okay, right? And, and so some of you heard me comment on that before, but I'm just trying to help you relate um, uh, to this. Um, there are those who say we have entered into the post-relevant age of the church. Well, what does it mean, post-relevant? It, it, there, it's just a, a fancy way of trying to say that the church is no longer relevant, that we're no longer relevant in government, we're no longer relevant in education, we're no longer relevant in the community, we're no longer relevant. And when I say the church, I'm not just talking about the family of faith here at Heritage, I'm talking about just the body of Christ in, in, in this country. Okay. Well, listen, um, God and His people will always be relevant you hear what I'm saying, okay? Um, it may be a remnant that's relevant, amen, but God will always have 
a people of relevance. But, but one of the reasons why the church, one of the reasons why the world is, is now saying this about the church, okay, and I'm not just talking about God bashers and God haters. I'm talking about like uh, historians and, 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 and people who just kind of call themselves looking at this from, um, you know, an objective perspective. But one of the reasons why they say the church is not relevant, listen to me now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, is, is, is part of that is, is we deserve that because the relevance of the church is, is not our, our ability to politic and, and, and block vote candidates. We've never been good at that anyway. I said we've never been good at that anyway. If every born-again believer in this country would come together and vote for the most righteous, God-fearing candidate whose platform aligns most with, thus saith the word of the living God, right, then we could control who's voted into office. But we, we've never been good at that anyway. But, but listen to me, that's, that's not why we're here. Are you hearing me? That's not why we're here. We're here to, to proclaim jubilee to a lost and dying world. We're here to proclaim hope. We're here to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. We're, we're, we're here, are you following what I'm saying? We're here to see recovery of sight for the blind. We're here to set the captives free and to see the prisoners released. We're, we're here to proclaim um, the, the blood of Jesus and, and the salvation. And not just to proclaim it, not just to talk about it, but to demonstrate it, to demonstrate true love, to demonstrate the love, to demonstrate um, kindness and patience and mercy and, and all the things that this world is in such short supply of, right, and are so hungry for. So we, in some ways, and when I say we, I'm not just talking about here at Heritage, I'm talking about the, the body of Christ at large, the people of God on planet Earth. In some ways, we've earned the post-relevant uh, comments because we're trying to, to be effective. Am I boring you? Am I, are you okay? We, we're trying to be effective in things that, you know, um, I, the Lord gave me this uh, phrase uh, many, many years ago. We're trying to be like the world we've been left in the world to change. We're, we're trying to figure out how to be like the very thing we're supposed to change. And we're not here to be like the world. We're here to transform the world. Jesus didn't come to conform to the world. He came to transform the world. He didn't come to try to, uh, you know, make nice with his enemies and, and be a peacekeeper. He didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. He said blessed are the peacemakers. There's a difference between trying to please people to keep the peace and, and, and standing strong and bold in the word of God and, and making peace. Amen. So, I, I, I just know in my heart that if the Lord has been stirring this idea of a new reformation in me, that He's, that he's stirring it in other people. They may not be calling it or thinking of it in, in that way, but, but I, I believe that's a, a, exactly what um, is, is on the horizon. Now, now, again, hear me out, though, okay? As is the case with... Um, you know, I, I'm going to say every season of change, transition, new thing that God um, is doing uh, on the earth among his people, um, there have always been those who have been in on it 
and and benefited from it and and uh, risen to the next level because of it. And then there's always been those folks who sit back and just kind of, you know, um, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not trying to say that I have the uh, 30,000 foot view on these things, but let me, let me tell you the view that I've had in, in my uh, life experience in, in, in living with the Lord, and, and this dates back, you know, to nine months before I was born. But one of the, one of the key things that I've, I've seen the Lord do and is still doing is um, we've, we've seen a, a restoration, a revival of what I'm just going to call praise and worship, okay? In the sense that a lot of churches that uh, used to have just an organ only or an organ and a piano um, have expanded, um, you know, in, into more expressive forms of worship that line up with Scripture, okay? Um, who do you think you are worshiping God in your own way when the Bible tells us the acceptable way to worship Him? And so now you've got people clapping their hands in churches that, you know, 30 years ago, they wouldn't have clapped if, um, I, you know, you're saying, praise God, right? Um, but they're, they're not clapping, they're just clapping. Now they're, some, not all, but some are actually lifting their hands in worship. And, and so we, we've seen a lot of movement and growth in that area, all right? And then, of course, that led into a lot of those people being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. And, and so um, that, of course, was a huge thing that the Lord did in, in my personal uh, family, my mom and dad, uh, my older brother, my younger sister, Matthew and Meredith, and, and then myself. Um, but even as we progressed through these different experiences and milestones as we grew up into Jesus and are growing up into Jesus in, in all things, um, the next thing, and, and this may seem odd um, to a lot of folks, but does, does anybody in here old enough to remember, and, and I know I'm... I'm uh, outdating you know some of you but is anybody in here old enough to remember when um to hear a good faith message was like you never heard any you know and and obviously the lord used a man named kenneth uh hagan not that you know, jesus preached faith it's not that faith was a new subject that nobody ever heard of but the lord raised this man up and he said go go teach my people faith right because again um faith is how we operate in all that God has for us and all that he's given to us. And so, you know, now all of a sudden, we, we, we begin to hear and learn and grow and develop and mature in, in, in faith, right? So, obviously, if you've been around Heritage long enough to know, we, I mean, this is something we talk about all the time. But, you know, the churches that I was raised in, up in, you know, I remember in, in, um, in one of the denominational churches that we were blessed to be a part of, you know, the pastor stood up and he said, I forget how many sermons in a row he was going to preach on faith. And I was like, bring it on because the Lord was doing this in our inner circle of our family. I was married to Pam by then. I was married to Vanessa. And, and, um, and, and, and yet that was such a strange thing for that church. Okay. And then the next thing, though, watch this. Anybody in here old enough to remember when you used to never hear a sermon on righteousness? Or if you heard one, it was more of a legalistic uh, dropping the hammer on you because you should be doing right and you should be doing better. 
But I'm not talking about that kind of sermon on righteousness. I'm talking about this revelation, if you will, that God's bringing to the body of Christ about our righteousness and, and, and about that our, our, our righteousness was established um, by Jesus himself as, as prophesied, amen, that this righteousness was the heritage of the servants of the Lord, that, that we've now inherited righteousness. We've become and been made righteousness. And it, I, I'm, I'm resisting the urge to say it again. Are y'all still with me? But some of you kind of slipping away. All right, so, so, so hang in here, okay? All of these things, notice it, it, had to be, it had to begin somewhere with us opening our hearts up to God by, by worshiping Him in ways that He, that, 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 that he desires to be worshiped. And remember, worship is us beginning to recognize who we are in respect to who He is. Notice how this positioned us then for Him to show us more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which positioned us then for Him to show us more about faith, which positioned us then for uh, for him to show us more about righteousness by faith okay um and so i think you know each of these things have had their place and i know that they have um dropped so to speak um in different places at different times but if you were to stand back and look at that timeline um these these are the things that father has done and is doing and continues to do uh, in and through his people now, what, what's next? In other words, if, if, if righteousness by faith and our standing with God and, and incorporated into that is the whole teaching of who we are in Christ, of who we are in Christ. Now, some people say that this teaching is harming the body of Christ. I could, I could not disagree more. This is not harming the body of Christ. And the argument that they make that, that teaching and preaching identity and, and who we are and who we became is harming us is because it's not giving the proper emphasis on our works. It's not giving the proper emphasis on, on, on serving God and, and doing for God. And because of, 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 of that teaching, um, that there are a lot of people who no longer even feel like it's necessary to come to church because, you know, this is who we are and this is, what, this is who we've become and, and it's by grace and it's not by works. And, and that this is why it's so hard to get people to volunteer or to serve in, in, in the body of Christ. And listen, we've certainly had our struggles with that here at Heritage um, now for many, many years. Um, it's, anyway, I'm not here to comment on that. But listen to me, please. I, I, don't, I don't believe that it's because of um, emphasizing who we are in Christ. Now, if there are those who no longer feel it necessary to do anything for God because I have or others have taught them so thoroughly who they are in Christ, then what, what we're seeing now is a course correction because that means people were serving God from self-centered, selfish motives that are not self-righteous motives. That weren't pleasing to Him anyway. Are you hearing me? In other words, if, if you're doing it to be seen, if you're doing it to be noticed, or if you're doing it because you're trying to get God indebted to you, then... It's time to clean that mess up anyway. And, and, um, and so if, if what we're seeing now is a season of slack in between this is who I am in Christ and it's taking us a few minutes to figure out that our, our righteousness is based upon his grace but our um, rewards are based upon our works, then the Holy Spirit will help us make that course correction. Um, and then what will happen is people will begin to serve God from a heart that pleases Him and honors Him as opposed to one 
that is more about, hey, look at me, or I'm trying to do this for God so that he will owe me what I need him to do for me. And, and so that's a good thing, um, however painful it may be, um, to make that transition. Amen? But in the long run, that's, that's, that's not only something um, that I believe is, is the church is dealing with and going through right now, but see, again, people who don't understand all of this, they're talking about post, post-modern, post-relevant age of the church, church attendance is dropping, church membership is down, people still believe in God, but they don't go to blah, 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 blah. Well, see, again, this is... You know, this is ebb and flow and back and forth and, and, and people's hearts changing and, and then how all that affects things moving forward, okay? So, so what is, what is um, what's next? Because I believe everything that we've talked about, see, ha- had to be put in place to get us to where we are now, who we are in Christ, okay? What's next is, are you ready? It's, it's, it's the, uh, my friend Richard Presswood, he says, it's the mothership, right? When we, when we talked about the kingdom, that was another one that I left out. Man, thank you, Holy Spirit. E- e- kingdom and blessing, remember those? Anybody remember those? How about love, right? You know, th- th- these are things, again, sets and subsets, topics and subtopics of other things that, um, that we now hear so much about healing Man, I was raised in a church that didn't believe healing was for today. I think that church has changed that position. I pray that they have. Okay, so all, but all these things, right? So, so now we're at the who we are in Christ. Okay, let me tell you what's next, and I believe what's next is what will usher in the return of our Savior to this earth. Okay. We're going from who we are in Christ to who Christ is in us. Okay? I'll say that again. Who we are in Christ to who He is in us. All right? Acknowledging every good thing that's in you. Who He is in you. See, we've looked at these things like the works that Jesus did. Listen, I I don't care who you are. Okay? Okay? I don't, I don't care who you are. I don't even care. Listen, you, I don't care if you don't even believe there's a God. There's not a human being on planet Earth. There's not a human being on planet Earth that would not like to lay their hands on someone physically blind and then take their hand away and that person can see again. There's not a person alive on planet Earth that wouldn't want to lay their hands on a seven-year-old boy dying of cancer and see that child made every bit whole again. Not a person on this planet that wouldn't do this, right? Wouldn't want to do this. My mother has some of the most amazing people for doctors. They're as called to do what they do as I am to do what I do. She's had some that have prayed for her, and I'm with her. And I don't mean some silly token prayer about whatever your will is, God, let it happen. No, I'm talking about faith-filled, Word of God-filled, speaking Scripture over my mother, recognizing that their hands are God's hands as they, as they minister to her. So don't listen to me now. I'm, I'm, I'm not bashing the medical profession. Horse is prepared for the day of battle, but our trust is not in the horse. Jesus said, get the horse ready. Just don't put your trust in the horse, Okay. 
trust is in God and we thank God for whatever anybody has with, with medicine and science that they can do to help anybody. So I'm not bashing. Listen to me. I'm not bashing that. Okay. But this is why people go into, into the medical field. It's why if I wasn't standing here preaching to you tonight, I would probably be somewhere either worshiping God or at a hospital as a doctor. Amen. Some of you heard my story. I knew I was called to the ministry when I was very young, and I, and I know it was God because I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be a medical doctor. Why do I want to be a medical doctor? Came out of my mama's womb looking for somebody to serve, looking for somebody to help, looking for somebody to please. Right? And so you, know, you see what doctors do to help people and how you know, much they can do to change a person's life. So I'm, the point I'm trying to make is these things are hardwired into us. Now, whatever you believe about laying on of hands and all that stuff, I'm, I'm not even trying to take you there yet. I'm just trying to say there's something in a man who doesn't even believe in God that wants to do this. But see, here, here, is, the, here is the critical mistake the church has made. Even those in the, in the body of Christ who know what the Bible says about these things, acknowledge what the Bible says about these things, believe that these things are for today, is that we've tried to figure out how to do these things without God. We, we've tried to get the right formula, the right words in the prayer. Do we anoint with oil? Do we not? How much oil? Do we pour it on their heads? Do we put it on their feet? Do we draw a cross on their foreheads? We've, we've tried to get, you know, every I and every T dotted because it's like, you know, there's some magic wheel. If we can get everything just dialed in, just perfect, boom, it's going to happen. See, that, that's just a bunch of silliness, right? When they jerk that crippled man up by the by the arm and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, right? Later when they were inquired about it, even, even quizzed about it, put on trial really for it, they're like, man, are you, are you thinking this was something that I did in my own strength? No, no, no. Is that Jesus that you thought was a fake and, and fraud and nailed him to a cross who rose again on the third day? It was his name and faith in his name that gave that man right there perfect strength and wholeness in your sight. See, they recognized that the one that they witnessed heal thousands of crippled men and women and children, right, was now in them. See, now that name part, there's a lot there, okay? But if you read through the Bible, you see that, that there's different um, places in the Scripture where the Bible says that God put His name in that place, Right? They built him a place that was pleasing to him. And so because of that, he put his name, not just on it, not just on it, right? When Pam and I had the, uh, the cabinet business, you know, our name was on it. It wasn't just our name. It was a Winslet, you know, Winslet Kitchen and Bath. Right? I never forget my aunt, my dad's um, next to oldest sister. You know, um, she uh, you know, was talking about people that had said something to, to her about what a great job we had done. Uh, and, you know, somebody that my aunt knew that we had done some work for and that we had done a really good job for. And she said, you know, look, they're, you know, basically they're representing the name well. You know, it was Winslet. Um, I had a sales manager one time who said, uh, well, you know, we need to change this to something, you know, out, it was, he wanted, I should have known then I got needed to fire him, right? I wound up having to. But he's like, we need, this don't need to be Winslet. It, it needs to be something more universal, you know, that, that that's like, uh, sounds you know, like Acme came or something like that. That's just being silly. So, but it's not just that his name is on it. There's a difference, okay? His name's not just on you. 
his name's in you. Are you seeing this, right? He put his name in you. He put his name in you. Okay? Amen. And so here's the thing. That's, that's delegated authority. You see, see, anything he can do, his name can do. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. That's why we cast out demons in the name of Jesus. That's why we say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, receive your sight. Right? Because he put his name in us. He put his name in us. It's, it's, it's another one of those new birth realities. And so when they jerked that man up, silver and gold have we none. Left my wallet at home today, buddy, but I got something better than money for you. I got something to give you, all right. Such as I have... In the name of Jesus, see, he recognized that he had something to give him. Do you, you realize that you've got something to give? See, this is the part. See, we, we, we've learned who we are in Christ, but we haven't figured out yet. And we're, but we're on, listen, this is where the Lord's leading us, okay? All right? Um, it's, not, it's not just who you are in him, because remember, you're in him, but he's in you, okay? So now, now, we're, now the, what the Lord's wanting us to see because until we knew who we were in Him, there was nothing in place for who He is in us to rest upon. Because He starts telling you who He is in you, you're like, not me. I'm, I'm a sorry low down. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm blah, 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 blah. So now we realize I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We begin to realize who we are in Him. Now He can finally tell you, okay, now this is who I am in you. Okay? And so this is, this, it was that awareness of who he was in them that enabled them to say, such as I have, I got something for you. <laughs> Come on now. I got something for you. Not because I'm, it's because of who he is in me that I got something for you. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the living God. All right, stand with me. I think some of you are ready for me to be done. Amen. You get anything out of this tonight? Who is he in you? See what I'm saying? See, if you're just a mere man, you don't have anything to offer anybody that anybody else has. You, you don't. If, see, that's why... That, the, the back to what kind of man, look into the perfect law of liberty, what kind of man you are. We talked about this last week, right? And, and he says, you're still behaving like mere men. You're still behaving like you're only a man. You're still behaving like you ain't got nothing to offer this world, right, that, no, that, 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 that anybody else has to offer. You don't have any more ability to help somebody that has some problem than anybody else has, blah, blah, blah. See, again, now we, we, no, we're supernatural men and women. We, we, we've been born again. We've, got a, we've, we've been born of an, of an incorruptible seed, and we have an indestructible heredity, and the, and the seed of God's life, His life and nature is in me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is making alive my mortal body. As he is, so am I in this world. The works that he did, I do also because he's in me. He put his name in me. You, you see, this is who he is in me. So what I came here to tell you tonight, and we'll get to it soon, okay, is that every miracle Jesus performed was an outward, revealing, unveiling manifestation of his inward glory. 
every single one, okay, from the first to the last, was a manifestation of his glory. It was, it was the inward reality. The glory was in him. God the Father put it in him. And every, from turning the water into wine, the Bible says he manifested forth his glory. His glory was clearly, according to Scripture, glory that his Father had given to him. In John 17, again, see, this is one of those things. The church world, modern church, religious-minded people, they pretend like it's not even in the Bible, okay? He says in John 17, The Father, the glory you have given to me, I now give to every person who ever believes on me because this original group of men and women are going to go and share the story of my death, burial, resurrection, and ascension back to your right hand. That, by the way, my friend, is you and me. The glory of God that was in Jesus that turned the water into wine on that day in Cana now is in every person in this room. It's in you right now. Not waiting on it. If Jesus asked the Father to give it to you, do you think the Father God, do you think Father God answers Jesus' prayers and gave it to you? Gave it to you in you now waiting to be manifested forth do you see why all of creation is on its tiptoes waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God waiting for those who have the glory of God in them to take their rightful place thank you sister Elizabeth to to rise up time for a new reformation it's coming it's coming it's coming and father we thank you tonight because we're we're acknowledging every good thing that's in us acknowledging every good thing father that's in us you put the glory that once rested on the head of Adam on the head of our born again spirit it's not upon us it's in us in us in a place where it can't ever be lost again it can't ever be corrupted again Father I thank you tonight that we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved, Lord, by um, <clears throat> what, what we hear. And, and Lord, forgive us for letting people who don't know anything about you or anything about how you operate tell us that um, the church is no longer relevant. Lord, they'll, they'll be proven to be fools just like countless numbers of others who have said similar things all the way back, Father, into the wee hours of the Old Testament. Let God be true and every man found to be a liar. And I thank you, Father, that you are true. And I thank you, Father, that you have brought us into something bigger than ourselves. You've made us a part of something, Father, that 
this world doesn't understand, that the devil is afraid of, and darkness can't stop. Help us understand who you are in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for allowing me a few extra minutes tonight. Um, Good things coming for you and yours. Remember, Sunday morning, we'll be enjoying communion together first Sunday in June. Mom is at home doing well, um, so we're thankful for that. And uh, Matthew.